Okay, so it started. Um, Benjamin, um, I actually got recommended to, to watch your videos a, a few months ago by Harrison Kaufman. You know oh, that? yes, 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 I, I recognise the name, yes. So he actually came on the podcast mm -hmm. uh, last week. Oh, did he? Good for him. Yeah. It, it, was, it was a lot of fun to, to talk to. It was a lot of fun to yeah. talk to. Um, so he recommended me to watch you a few months ago to, to okay. talk more about sales. And I've been watching, I've been binge watching it every now and again. That's what he did. Um, and, and I've learned quite a bit from it, uh, various things. For example, don't be too nice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good. Well done. That's good. Yeah, because when I first met Harrison, he told me I was way too nice. So um, anyway, just introduced me and Aaron. I'm, I run a, so a social media management company. And yeah. Aaron's learning how to... Uh, Musician, learning music. Oh, well done. That's hard. I've tried. I gave up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which one did you try to learn? I, well, I was trying to learn the guitar, but I just just uh, just didn't didn't take didn't oh yeah that's my main instrument it takes time that's the truth yeah. it's just about practice you have to be passionate enough you have to really want it's like anything in life you want to get good at it you've got yeah. to want to do it and uh, i think deep down i didn't really want to do it <laughs> i mean i was in the same boat yeah. so I, also, I also tried to learn guitar as well i gave up after a few weeks <laughs> yeah yeah you only give up if you really don't want to do something so um yeah, yeah. So the, yeah. it should take us a couple of that you managed to get through then. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Um, so why are you the UK's most hated sales trainer? What's so hated about you? Oh, right. How did I... Um, well, it's a simple story, really. Um, I always get asked, how did I become the UK's most hated sales trainer? Um, I think some people think it's an actual real title. Um, it's not. I made it up, right? Advertising. Uh, if you go on LinkedIn... And you look at all the people on LinkedIn that claim to be an expert in sales. What do they call themselves? They call themselves an expert, a leader, a guru, number one, top performer, sales and all this bollocks, right? And I realized that they're like the average salesperson. They just want to be loved and liked. And that's the, that's the reason why most salespeople sell. So I thought, what does nobody want to be? No one wants to be hated. So that's what I'll be. I'll be hated. Not a lot easier. And so um, I just created the brand and I've just ran with it and it's um, done very well. It stands out from the noise um, and it enables me to deliver my style and approach to selling um, that does piss some people off because they, they know I'm right. But deep down, just like the, the guitar thing, they don't want to change. They don't really want to learn how to be different. So that's why they hate it. I hate the guitar, even though I want to play it, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's why people hate me because they know I'm right. They just don't want to do what it takes. What do you mean they know you're right? What? Um, what? Well, deep down they know that when you show up, throw up, and hope you're not a salesman. Deep down they know they're order takers most of the time. Deep down they know that the product probably sold itself and you were just ancillary to that process. Um, and when you break down how salespeople perform and behave, you can be brutal. Like that, there's that phrase, no one got fired for hiring IBM. So if you're selling IBM, I mean, you're not selling IBM. You're just turning up and someone's placing an order, right? So I'm slightly simplifying it. But you get the point. McDonald's doesn't sell anything. So many businesses don't sell anything. People just order yeah. their stuff. So if you've got a really good product and a good service, sometimes it just sells itself, which is great, but it's got nothing to do with you or the salesman. You probably talked yourself out of sales than into them, if anything. So most salespeople, um, if they're really honest, will admit that. 
that's what they hate to acknowledge. Because even when it's not their skill or ability, it's like, well, what do I actually do? So, well, not a lot, to be blunt. <laughs> yeah, that's why people hate it. I mean, well, I, actually, I actually thought that like, if you look at the top performing companies, so really most of them are, are products that you could, that's free products, freebies, so that's very easy to get. So there's no actual sales involved. Um, so that's way easier to do on this. I mean, that only the products I thought was a brand selling, but the services you have to get in touch with human contact. If you if you're in a crowded competitive marketplace, which a lot of people are, so sales training, take my world. How many sales trainers are there in the UK or Europe or the US? I mean, thousands, right? Um, and so I have to sell differently from the other sales trainers. Um, I can't just show up and do the usual run-of-the-mill sort of thing because it won't work. Um, I actually actually have to sell. A lot of people don't want sales training. Yeah, they like the idea, but they don't want to spend money on it or they want to spend 150 quid. Yeah, they're looking for a quick, quick, quick fix answer. So I have to sell it. Um, and to get paid good money, you have to be good at getting people to realize the value of what you're going to bring for them. And, and a lot of salespeople don't do that. Some do, but not a lot. Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely. I mean, I've seen uh, seen that in some of the videos of you calling people up. It's definitely very interesting. Coaching, oh, I'm sort of pushing them into um, into buying off you. Really. It's a bit like poetry, to be honest. I was <laughs> watching some of them. They were just, they were so smooth and cool. Yeah, I know. You just kind of... And it's and, and that's learning how to communicate to people because selling is the art of communication. It's not the art of convincing. Too many salespeople are bought in that selling is the gift of the gab and you just talk a good game. And that's reinforced through all the social sort of um, cultural stereotypes of salespeople. Um, and it's not true. Um, the art of a good salesman is getting the prospect to discover they need them. And they do that by asking really good questions. And they do it because they actually don't care about the outcome. If you don't care about the outcome, you end up asking a lot better questions because you don't care about upsetting the person or offending the person or them not liking you. I just want to find out what the hell's going on. Maybe you'll work with me. Maybe you won't. Who cares? And when you have that mindset and approach to selling, it becomes a lot easier. You're not there to impress anybody. I'm not here to impress you. I know this works. The question is, should you be my next customer? That's what I'm here to figure out. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely true. I mean, I watched one of the videos I watched of you doing was very interesting. Um, but they, they basically said, can you call back next week? And then he kept on pressing them. And then they just ended up hanging up on you. Yes. Um, <laughs> why don't you use, why don't why why don't you call back next week? It's not any what is it? Uh, again, salespeople live in this fantasy world. I live in the real world. Uh, and prospects are just like me. So if I ever say to someone, can you call me next week? What do I really mean? No. Piss off. Yeah. It's just a very polite way of saying go away. So yeah. because I don't want to take that, because I'd rather have a no. Do you know how hard it is to get people to tell you no when you push them? Which is fascinating, right? So I push them for no, just tell me no, just say don't call me ever again. And and like I say, I, I keep talking to someone until they hang up. Not because I'm going to try and bully them into meeting with me. It's because I want to stay in control. And that's the important thing. You said that the conversations were like poetry and they're smooth. It's because I'm always in control. And you're only ever going to be in control if you constantly fight to keep it. So I know when a call is not going to go my way, but I don't bail. 
I just keep going, I keep going, and I keep going. What, what am I going to lose? I might as well ask some questions. I might as well ask something I've never asked before. It could be the one that really pisses someone off. I don't know. So let's just do it, right? And all I can do is hang up. I'll do that. I'm fine with that because I'll learn a lesson and I'll learn something out of it. So, yeah, never bail on a prospecting call. Just keep talking to the hang up. What's the worst that can happen? Waste something to time or something not something big. Say that again. It wasn't very clear. You could, wait, you could waste some of your time. There is, unless you're taking lessons. Every phone call, there can be a lesson from. And this is where sales, I mean, if you've been in sales for more than two years and you're still struggling on the phone, you're an idiot. Because it meant you spent two years not learning a single bloody thing. So you should just quit. Yeah, find a job where you don't have to use your brain. I mean, I, I, actually, I actually recently took a job uh, for sales training. A salesperson, uh, voluntarily, just as a side thing. Yeah. What piece of advice, if there was only one, and say you actually wanted to give me advice, what one piece of advice would you give, especially in, in today's sort of things, and to give anyone that really does a lot of prospecting? What's the one piece of advice to give to so, someone yeah, getting into get one? Is what oh, get out while you can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this isn't. This should be an easy job, but it's not. It's overcomplicated by salespeople. And the problem is you're going to be probably trained by someone that doesn't really know what they're doing. They're going to fill your head with product knowledge and then just tell you to go out and try and convince people just to give you 15, 20 minutes. And then once we're in front of people, we're fine. I've never met a company that's never said that to me. Every time they phone me, look, we'd love some prospecting help. And then we'd start talking. And they go, no, no, we don't need help when it comes to We're pretty good when we're in front of people. We, we're just not getting in front of enough people. It's, ah, I think you'll find you're equally crap when you're in front of people. You're just not in front of enough people to realize how bad you are, yeah? Um, so salespeople have got to realize that selling is a very challenging profession. Most are in it by default, not design. They didn't want this for their life. They had dreams. They had aspirations. They had hopes. And what happened? They went to university. They studied sports psychology or English literature. <laughs> Right. And then they realize you can't get paid for any of this information. It's useless. So what do you do? Well, you're educated. You look good in a suit. You don't dribble. You are now qualified to enter the world of sales. And they get a job because they need the money and they get stuck. And after three years, they realize I have no transferable skill set. So this is it till I die or I win the lottery. <laughs> Pretty depressing. So no, if you don't have to do it, get out. So why why do you teach it if you don't really think it's great? Or is oh, it... no, I'm good at it and I love it. And I teach people how to do it well. Uh, what I'm saying is most people are no good at it. Um, and, and so they have frustrating existence. You, you talk to the average salesman, they don't have five or 10 years experience. They've had the same year five or 10 times, right? That's a miserable way to live. And if you're behaving pretty much the same way you did 10 years earlier, what have you achieved? Yeah, I suppose. I mean, you're kind of explaining it as if it's like a, a sport or something where you uh, improve year on year, which I've never really thought about it like that. It's, just... it's like a profession. Is a lawyer yeah. the same 20 years down the line from when he first started? Hell no. Why? Because he's done a lot of learning and he's learned how to ask better questions. He's learned when to challenge something, when not to challenge it. He's learned all the little things that you learn through experience and he's built and compounded on them and he's completely different. But most salespeople sound and act almost the same as they did when they first got into this. So, yeah, it's a profession. And a profession means you get exponentially better. It means your results become more predictable and consistent, which is all anyone wants in sales is predictability and consistency. But you can't do that if you just show up, throw up, and hope every time. 
and try and be liked. Yeah, so, so what you're saying here is that most people don't want to go into sales. How come? Because I look at a lot of professions, there's always a few bad apples that ruin it for the rest of them. But in sales training, oh, sales people run, it's way worse. I mean, there's a whole PR disaster. Well, how many years does it take to become a doctor? Seven years of study, and then you're a junior. It takes five years to qualify as a barrister, then you're a junior. It takes four years to study as an accountant, then you're a junior. To be considered a sales professional, you get three days product knowledge training, a suit, a car, a CRM system, and you are one. That's why it's so lower standard, because the barrier to entry is non-existent. Nobody studies it. Nobody sees it. Nah, nah, nah. Do you know the number of people I've worked with that have hired salespeople? I said, why'd you hire them? And they said, he seemed all right. We thought we'd give him a shot. I've never hired a lawyer or retained a surgeon using that approach to life. He seems <laughs> all right. Let's give him a shot. <laughs> yeah, you don't do it, right? But sales is the only profession where he's got a nice personality. He looks all right. I quite like him. He's chatty. He'll do all right. <laughs> do you think, yeah. Do you think we should have more training for sales training? There should be. That there should be. But remember, sales has such a high churn rate, they're always recruiting. Yeah, so it's impossible not to get into it. Why is that? Is that because so many people like come and leave the whole time? Because people uh, realise, uh, a lot of people realise they're not suited to it, so they get out. A lot of people work for terrible bosses, so they get out. A lot of people are not really shown how to sell. They are. I remember my first sales job, literally. You were given some product knowledge training, and then you were given a database and told phone them, set appointments. So what do I say exactly? Just phone them up, introduce yourself, explain a bit about what we do and see if they'd be interested. That's it. And then you've got to figure it out for yourself. And some do, some people do okay. They, they get a bit of a patter and they get it going. And I, I did very well, but I didn't know why I was any good. And if you don't know why you're any good, you're not an expert. If you can't tell somebody why what you do works, how is it of any use? That's what got me into sales training. It's like, why does what I do work? If I figure that out, I can make money teaching people it. But if you can't teach someone what you do, then it's not a skill. So, oh, okay. So, that, is that how you got into actually like, doing sales training and becoming like different from the rest? No, I didn't want to be a sales trainer. I had a better plan for my life. <laughs> but actually, this one turned out to be uh, really, really good, right? But it was never, this was never the intention. Um, but I was stuck in sales. I realized I had nowhere else to go unless I wanted to retrain as something completely different. I didn't want to retrain. It's too lazy for that. Hence why I'm in sales. So I'm lazy and I'm stuck in sales. So now what do I have to do? I should figure out how to get really good at it. If I'm going to spend the rest of my life doing this, I should figure out how to get really good at it to make it consistently predictable, just like I would have done if I'd stayed practicing law. And that's what I decided to do. And it's worked, actually, because now it is consistent and predictable and people pay me a lot of money. So, it, yeah, yeah. I've set out to do what I said. <laughs> what did you originally want to do? Instead of, because you said you didn't actually want to become a salesman. No, I, I, I'm a qualified barrister. A lot of people don't know that. Oh. I, I've done all the training, got sworn in, worn the wigging gown. I was going to be a criminal defense lawyer. That was the plan. But before I did that, I wanted to do some travel. And um, I ended up getting a job. And one of them was sales. And I kind of got stuck. And after a few years, I realized, well, what the hell do I do now? Well, I could practice law, ah, but then I'd have to go back to New Zealand and live there. And I didn't want to live in New Zealand. So now I'm stuck, literally. Can't practice in England because you have to do five years post-qualifying experience. And 
so you've all go and retrain. I didn't want to do that. So now I'm literally, I'm educated, got a degree, relatively smart, but I can't use it. And the sales skills I picked up over the last few years are useless. There's no other job I can do this in. So that's what started me on my journey of figuring out how to really sell. How do I professionalize this? How do I make it a skill as opposed to just dumb luck and personality? So you just were doing it again and again and again because I've heard you say it's not all all it really is is just practicing again and again. Practice. I mean, what makes a good? It's just like being a professional athlete. I mean, there's not a lot to being a swimmer, but what they do, they do really, really, really well consistently. So the key to being a good swimmer is practice all the time, get your stroke right, eat right, and you do that repeatedly every day until the moment it matters, and then whatever happens on the day happens. But all the practice and practice. So that's all it is. There's not a lot to good selling. I mean, I would say a lot of it is actually in different professions. Like, for example, barrister, I don't think a lot of it was just practice. I presume a lot of it was actual skill. Maybe I'm wrong, but is it... Well, well, there are skills because it's the art of communicating. It's the skill of communicating. Most salespeople are terrible at communicating. So most sales meetings don't go the way people want because they're run and managed badly. They're set up badly. They're structured badly. The questions that are asked are awful. Yeah. And so what they tend to do is they make prospects uncomfortable. They keep that wall up, the defense wall. And the problem you have as a salesman is whenever you walk into somebody's office for the first time, all they see is a salesman. And so instantly there's a game being played. And the game is don't tell him what he needs to hear. Don't tell him the truth. Don't let him know how much we need what they have. The game is on and we all do it. You know, whenever in front of a salesman, God forbid we ever tell them the truth. We tell them what we want them to hear. Most salespeople don't appreciate that. And so they go in thinking that was a good meeting. It was really nice. They asked great questions. I think they liked us. And then they leave happy. They would rather leave with someone liking them than money. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that, that sounds good. Uh, just one small point. I, look, I really like the pillows behind you. <laughs> yeah, so do I. So I put them up. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you think of these? You know, you see these really dodgy adverts online, especially with sales training, of mm. people showing their flashy cars and. I mean, a lot of, all, to, all together, together with sales, there's a lot of, uh, lot of uh, dodgy stuff really going on. I mean, what oh, do you, yeah. yeah, so what, what do you really think of that? Does it, I don't know, does it kind of ruin every, everything else? Is it terrible? And then related to that, what do you think of Gary V and Grant Cardone? Gary V? And Grant Cardone. Oh, do they actually offer anything positive? <laughs> anything positive. Well, look, you, first of all, you can't deny they've, on a, on, a, on a worldly materialistic viewpoint, they're very successful. Um, so I can't deny that. And I certainly wouldn't sit here and, 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 and slag them off because obviously they are successful and they've made a lot of money. Um, the challenge that's, I don't know a lot about Gary B because I don't follow a lot of his stuff. So I can't speak it down. But I certainly know, when you watch certain things, Grant Cardone has a great personality and he's got a way of doing things. It works really, really well for him. And that's one of the problems I had with a lot of sales. It comes down to the personality of the person uh, uh, teaching you and they teach you what they're good at. The, what you need to be able to do is demonstrate why it would work in someone else's world and be able to do it in someone else's world. Um, I think that's why people tend to like what I do because I can go in in a company and within an hour, I can be on the phone prospecting, selling in their product. 
I do everything I teach and I teach everything that I do. So I think a lot of people are what I call academic trainers. They're very good at giving theory and explaining why you should do this. But then when you look, no, can you demonstrate it in the real world? They can't. And if you can't do what you teach, then you probably shouldn't be teaching. In fact, that's why that expression, those that do do, those that can't teach came from, right? And um, that is why I, I have a challenge with a lot of sales stuff out there. Because a lot of people who go into sales training are people that had a mediocre sales career and wanted to be their own boss. So this is the next step. And they'll just teach them what they did that had some relative success. But when you break it down, it's like, eh. I don't think you had a lot to do with any of the success that you had. You were just part of a team that was successful. Wouldn't that be a natural issue just with everyone, with like all of us humans when they're teaching anything over? I'm not sure if it's applicable to you, but with most people when we teach anything over, we always just generally we just include personal experience and just say this would work better because it worked for me. Um, so is that only in sales training, or is it just? So like what you need to be do is explain why you're doing it and why it works, and then you will also say this is what will happen if you do this, and then they do it and it happens. So with my training, I get people phone me up and say, "I did that thing you said. What happened? It, it went exactly the way you said." He said, "I know. That's why I said do it." So it's not do this because I feel it works for me. It's go and do it, and this is going to be the outcome if you do it. And you get the response. And it always, people phone me up and they sound surprised that it's working. You know, and I thought, but this stuff really, I, say, I know it works. Why well, teach it? Yeah. This is why, this is why I say, if you have the courage to do these things, they will work. And if you say this, I guarantee they're going to say this, this, or this. And if they say this, you say this, and they'll say this, this, or this. And so it's, it's, it's almost like a grand game of chess where every piece has been pre-thought in advance. But I don't know which exact move they're going to do, but I know which move they do. I know exactly how I can respond to that. And so nothing ever surprises me. So there's no... Because you've done, this, you've done this for a long time, so you really understand how people are going to react. Yeah, just like a good lawyer. A surgeon doesn't cut into a body and say, nigga, what the hell is that? <laughs> yeah. You know, that's never happened. They know Probably the human good. body. Yeah. They know it inside out. Same with a lawyer. They know certain type of witnesses, if you ask them a question in a certain way, you're going to upset them. Do I want to upset them? Yes, then I'll ask it. If I don't want to upset them, I'll ask it a different way. It's mastering those techniques. That comes with experience. But when you teach it to someone, they're able to replicate it. So if it can't be replicated, it's not a skill. It's just something that happens. So something happening, you know what they say, something happening once is a fluke, happening twice, interesting, happens three or four, you've got a pattern. So you're looking for creating patterns in your behavior that will deliver outcomes that are right. May not be the one you want, but are right. Yeah. Um, how come? Because everyone really, and I mean, in every profession, like I'll say I'm different from my competition. You would say you're different. Um, I mean, but in your, in your uh, profession, it's more easy to tell, like, as far as I can see, who's right, who's wrong, because you automatically assume everyone's wrong. I mean, after you watch videos like Grant Cardone doing sales videos, you just have to watch anyone else's and then, then they're right. Because um, <laughs> he just goes into that and just says, my name's Grant Cardone, please, bye. Um, so how come like you, you, your journey has become different from all the other sales trainers? I don't know. That could be quite broad and sweeping. I haven't talked to enough sales trainers uh, to figure out. But um, people will pick 
a, a process, a system, a methodology, whatever you want to call it, that they're the most comfortable with. And because we're creatures of comfort, we tend to gravitate towards things that we feel comfortable doing. The problem is, is if you only do things that make you comfortable, you're never, ever going to grow. Yeah. So you ask anyone that's into bodybuilding, how, how do you get bigger? You've got to push yourself. You've got to do stuff that hurts. You push through the pain and then you get to where you need to be. And it's a lot of with what I teach. 75% of people I teach won't do most of the stuff I teach them because it's uncomfortable. So they'll take the bits they like and have success and say, this is good, I like this, and they run with it. What about the other stuff? Ah, it doesn't really apply, Marla. Oh, it won't work. No, it will. It's just you just don't want to do it. So they limit their potential on getting better. But if you do the stuff that you find incredibly uncomfortable, it becomes your greatest asset. Something you find tough to do if you master it will probably become your strongest suit. And so whenever I'm in a room full of people training, I know which ones are going to get the material and which ones aren't straight away. Because the one who isn't going to get it is the one that's really excited. The one that's sitting at the front grinning and smiling. Says, I love this band. This is so cool. I can't wait to use this. That guy won't use it because he's too excited. The guy that's going to be good at it is the one that's sitting there and he keeps arguing with me keeps challenging me, said, that won't work. And then we go through it. And the reason he's fighting it is because deep down he knows that this could actually work and he, he needs a reason not to do it. So the person that fights it the most is likely to get it the best. And it happens. Prospects are the same. A prospect that's positive, that says they're very interested in your product or service, probably ain't going to buy. The one that is going to buy is the one that's reluctant. Huh? That's a big shame. Mm -hmm. I've, done, I've called people up and they've, they've said that they're interested. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. beware the positive prospect because they're the least likely to buy why, is, people who have, why is that with positive prospects because if you've got money you're not like a contestant on the prices right if you don't have money you are it's very easy to get excited about things you can't buy we all do that. Go to a car yard. You can spot who's going to buy a car and who's not. The person who's not is the one that's really excited. The one that is, is umming and ahhing and debating. Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, He's going to buy because he's actually got money that he's going to part with. So prospects are the same. The happier and keen and more excited they are about what you have, it's because they know they don't have to buy it. That's, that's pretty good. I've never actually thought about that way. I've got an idea for you. When, when you do a, a search stream, why don't you do a demotivating class beforehand? Like a three-minute demotivating class to really demotivate people so they're not as excited. <laughs> you could. <laughs> <laughs> don't them to switch off, though. Well, I try and get rid of them. And walk as, out. Yeah, as soon as I know I've got a positive prospect, I see red flags, and I know straight away this person's blowing smoke up my butt. Um, I know it. Because um, I get so many people send me emails and messages saying, hey, Benjamin, would really love your stuff. Would love to have a chat with you about maybe doing some training. Now, that, that is a keen prospect. When, you, when I read that, it's like, oh, this guy's a tire kicker because he's too excited. So what I did was I created the, well, book a consult call. Cost you 100 quid. 85% of those, hey, can't wait to speak with you. Be great. Just disappear. Never hear from them again. So, well, that was interesting. What, 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 they, they gone when they thought my time was free and they could waste it. They were excited. The moment I said, "Well, oh, happy to talk to you," because obviously, if you're serious about getting training, it's going to cost more than a hundred quid anyway. Mm -hmm. So, let's do that. They don't. But of the fifteen percent that pay, I've got a ninety-five percent close rate. So That's I've funny. eliminated. I've eliminated tire kickers. 
This is what I want to do. That's all I'm trying to get rid of people that are telling me what I want to hear. And everyone tells salespeople what they want to hear. I really love what you guys do. It's really, really interesting. We'd love to have a chat with you. Can we come and spend some time with you? And sales, <laughs> yay, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I've, always, I've always thought about, especially after listening to your videos, you always seem to be very into human contact. That's how you deal with all the sales training. How would you say a lot of non-human contact, like the marketing channels, such as websites, how, how do, are those worth it to do? Can, can those work? Well, I can't speak intelligently because that's all marketing. I'm not a marketer. I'm a salesman. So websites, I've got a website. It's crap. Um, I built it myself. I think I'm actually launching a new one next month, which has been properly built. It looks far more sophisticated. But the reality was I built a website purely to be able to take card payments. So what's the purpose? What, you know? And if anyone went on my website and bought because of my website, they'd probably be an idiot, right? Because there's no reason to go on my website and buy from it. So the people that are going there, it literally is a brochure to confirm what they've already probably decided. So it depends what your website's for. If you're an e-commerce platform, good marketing is to drive people to your website. Then the experience they have on the website encourages them to buy. So I use Amazon all the time. Amazon don't sell me anything. I'm always going there to place an order. And the, 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 the process for buying is easy. It's simple. It's quick. So that's fine. But um, Amazon doesn't sell anything. They just take orders. McDonald's doesn't sell anything. They've got the perfect order capture system. The decision to buy is being made the moment that I've walked through the door. I'm just simply going through the process of figuring out which meal I want. And then they have an order fulfillment business. So... Selling, when I talk about selling, I mean where you've got to actually go out and find someone who doesn't know they needed what you have and, and allow them to discover they do. Uh, and that's what most of us have to do. We have to go out and find people to sell to. We identify companies that could need our stuff. We've now got to get in front of them and figure out if we can get them to discover they need it too. That's selling. Was, yeah, so... Yeah, that definitely sounds quite interesting. But just you said websites you're not too sure about, but I've heard about social about social selling, about engaging potential clients on social media. I've heard maybe not too positive about that. Yeah, well, social media again is a form of marketing and advertising. It's just simply getting your name, your reputation, your branding, and your viewpoint out there. So I use it vociferously because that's where everyone hangs out. Don't use TV radio adverts, don't use any of those because that's not where the audience is. So you go where the audience is. So social selling is just another nice way of saying marketing, yeah? Because marketing brings people to you. Selling is what you do once they get there. So you can't really sell on social media? Well, no, can you sell on social media? Some people, will, well, some people are going to see what you do, like it and come and buy from you, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. So is that a sale or is it an order? It depends how it all comes down to semantics, right? If someone giving you money constitutes selling, then everybody sells. In fact, anyone can do it because it's not hard. Beggars technically are sellers, right? So it's not hard to get someone to give you money, yeah? So, so, so yes, yeah, so if someone giving you money is what you would call a sale, then fine. I call it a transaction. So creating great marketing, great branding, and all that stuff, and people driving to you and giving you money, you take orders. I take a lot of orders now. Now, I'm not annoyed about that because that's how every salesman wants to get. They want to get to a point where they get to the point where they don't have to prospect. That's the whole point of being in business, right? You build and create something that just sells itself. Build a brand. Yeah. yeah, but when you first start out, you have to sell it because you've got to get it out there and you've got to create all of that. So, yeah.
Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely sounds, sounds interesting about that because, so what, what would you say is the difference between sale and order? Because if you said sale is more than just doing a transaction, because I, when I, because I do social media management and I've dealt with clients' accounts, so there's different ways. So it's also like direct messaging is also, sort of like selling. No one is effective. You don't reach them properly as well. They're very likely to ignore your message. Um, but so, I mean, and you get way, way low engagement rate, but you still get an engagement rate, and it's still... Well, you, 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 you could leaflet bomb an entire city from an airplane, right, with flyers. And somebody's going to pick it up and say, huh, yeah, all right, I might buy that. Yeah. So, I mean, so it will work. I mean, the, 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 yeah, at the end of the day, you do any of that, it'll work. I'm not, I'm not going to deny it, but it's a lot of work. So you look at the metrics. Of 100 people that visited our website, how many bought two? Uh, is that good? Well, we do enough of that. Then, yeah, so anything in volume is good. So it all comes down to the metrics. If, you're, if you've got great marketing that's drawing people in, but they're not buying, then you've got a sales problem. You've got a good marketing platform, but you've got a crap sales function. <laughs> uh, yeah, so 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 that's where that's where I, I'd look at it. If if your marketing was so good that people just went on and bought, then I'd say you got great marketing. Don't interfere with it. Don't introduce salespeople; they can only screw it up. Yeah. So how much how much how much engage um, transact um, rate do you get? Like when you you cold call, like how many uh, transfer into customers, or do you not really have like a numerical figure on it? Well, again, I I spent many many years cold calling to grow my business. Um, but now I don't have to do it because, again, I've created the brand and the reputation. I've had enough people do my training to tell other people about it. So what I do is I get people want to contact me to discuss it, though. So I don't just say go to my website and book on. It depends on what it is. So I still have to talk to people and qualify them. Are they suitable to work with me? Just because somebody wants to work with me doesn't mean I want to work with them. There's a lot of people I don't want to work with, a lot of industries I don't care to work for. Um, it depends who's contacting me. If it's a sales manager, I know it's going to go nowhere because they're the wrong people. They don't buy my stuff. If it's an MD or a CEO, then I'll have a conversation with them and then figure out why they need me in. So I'm always talking to people, but I don't have to actively prospect as much as I used to. But that was always the plan. Anyone in sales. You, prospecting isn't forever. This is what I try to get across. The moment you get really good at it, this is the moment you don't have to do it anymore, just like anything in life. Well, wouldn't you want to build up your business so much that you always want to have someone on board and always get more clients, even if you get a lot from them? No, say that again. It's at the volume is low. Um, can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay, brilliant. Um, you said that prospecting, you get a lot. You can, once you get good at once you get good at it, you'll probably you will want to stop it because you're getting so many people in. Yeah. Wouldn't you still want to continue having someone on board to get? to get more and more fans. It all depends on what you want to do with your business, doesn't it? Again, it all comes down to your plan. I'm a one-man band. I don't want employees. So I've capped how much work I want to do by choice. Um, people ask, can they come and work with me all the time? I like, no, I don't want to. I don't. Everyone I know with employees is miserable. <laughs> yeah? They don't bring joy to your life. They pontificate on LinkedIn about what a great family we are, but... That same family, three weeks later, they've laid people off. It's like, wow, that's a close family, right? So so I don't buy into any of that. Um, so, yeah, depending on where you want to go, as an organization, then, yes, you're always going to have to be prospecting. But uh, a lot of people that I work with are individuals. 
uh, who have a lifestyle business and they want to make enough to live a lifestyle, but they don't want the headache of, you know, I don't, I don't want Lear jets. I don't want all of that stuff. That's not me. That's for the Grant Cardones of the world. But I, I honestly don't want to be that guy. Although I am learning to fly, but I'm not going to fly Lear jets. I'm just flying Pipers. Yeah, I mean, you've also said, you said in the past, um, when you're prospecting, um, you shouldn't really do too much research. No. How, why is that? I mean, I, I would always think that. It's always best to, to when, you, when you're calling someone to always pick up, to always do like 20 minutes, half an hour research beforehand. Good God, then you'll never achieve anything. What do you mean? You spend 20 minutes before you pick up the phone to call somebody. What on earth are you hoping to find out in those 20 minutes? To find out how they operate. Who you can, um, well, what does they operate got to do with what you sell? Uh, I mean, wouldn't it be different in different industries? Like, you know, Why? Do you want to know how many salespeople they have just to get more information beforehand or not really? No. What do you need to know about a prospect to phone them? So let's, let's say for you, wouldn't you want to know beforehand, like this how many sales training they have, this is if they have a sales department beforehand, this is how many... Uh, how much they spend on that, how much. Why do I need that before I phone them, though? I mean, you, mean you can get all on, on the phone. Well, maybe. It depends. But why am I phoning them? To um, sell. No. Why, 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 are we, why, are we, why, why do we prospect people? Why do you prospect people? What are you trying to do? Totally sell your products. No, you're not trying to sell your products. men. What you're trying to do, what you're trying to do is you've created a product that fixes problems, right? And I bet most companies in any sector probably have those similar problems because they're problems that are generic, aren't they? Social media is a generic product. It doesn't matter if you sell pharmaceuticals, toothpaste, or donuts online. The problem you've got is no one's coming to your website. So that's got fuck all to do with the industry you're in, does it? Yeah. Oh. So, so, so you created a service or a product that fixes those problems. So I don't need to know what a company's doing. What I need to find out is, do you have these problems? If you don't have them, I'm leaving. I can't talk to if you don't have them. Now, the thing is, they may not know they have them. So that's my job. I'm phoning up someone and trying to find out, do they have these problems? If they say no, then I move on. Doesn't mean I don't call them back. It just means right now they don't have them. They don't have COVID, but they will. I'll phone back in a few months. So why do you need to do any research? I've always felt the need to just be blind, just to let's say to see if it's even worth putting them up with their social medias. No, it's no. procrastination and avoidance. What you need to know is this is what I fix. We reckon these companies should experience these problems. Why don't we find out, find out if they've got them? That doesn't require any research. It requires you understanding what you fix and being able to present it in a way where they go, huh, well, no, I do recognise that. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm calling. You don't need to know anything about them. Well, in actuality, because social media is really applicable to every business, well, more or less every business, in actuality, I should be calling a week, I should be converting it up. Big problem, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it's always the first call to start. It's really hard to actually do it. How do you recommend always like, it's always the first of everything I presume is hard to do. Um, how do you recommend people to, to start sales to really push them into? Because I feel, especially with calling random people up, a lot of people really are hesitant to do that. Most people don't know how to prospect. 
uh, because they're under the impression you phone someone up and talk at them about what you do. We're from ABC Company and we specialize in social media and we've worked with companies in your sector and we help them, blah, 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 blah. But you've got to look at it from a real human perspective. If you phone up a stranger and start talking at them about you, they're going to say, fuck off. I don't care. I'm not interested in your company or your existence. I don't even care for you. Go away. So you can't structure a phone call like that. You have to structure it in a way that makes the prospect realize that this call is about them and their world and not about you and your world. So most salespeople can't do that because most aren't taught how to do that. They're taught just phone up, read the script. You do this a hundred times, someone will buy. I mean, does that not work? Does uh, quantity not get sales or do you feel as if uh, quality will get more sales overall than what do you think? What do you think would be better? Quality I mean, if you call a thousand people, I mean, maybe ten will buy. But yeah. um, if you, if you, I mean, you'd obviously spend more time on the quality, might uh, make less sales overall. If you spend uh, more time focusing on the quality, or is that wrong? Well, it's wrong. I mean, if you <sighs> be like saying to a lawyer. He goes, well, you know, every 100 trials, I win 10. Would you say, well, good for you. I like your persistence. You're the sort of lawyer I want, you know. You don't know if you're going to win. You don't know why you win. But you do know if you do enough of them, you'll win. Hey, you sound like the sort of guy I want representing me. No. The 10% win rate, you can't go wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's ludicrous, right? So if you were to ask a lawyer, why did you win? And he turned to you and said, it's my winning personality. You said, no, fuck off. Seriously, why? <laughs> and you go, no, 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 it's my personality. It's like, all right, fine, I'm not hiring you. You're an idiot. Because they wouldn't say that. They, oh, jury's just like me. No, it's why? 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 I'll tell you why. Do you know how many of these things I've done? Do you know when to ask a question and when not? Do you know which bit of evidence to challenge and which bit not? Do you know how? No, 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 no. You know, well, I do, and I do it every day, and I do it very well. That's why I win. It's got nothing to do with luck. It's my ability to do my job. So you don't know. Now, sales is the only world where volume operates. Anything will operate on volume. You know, you go out on a Friday night, you ask 10 girls to sleep with you. One of them's going to eventually say yes. Yeah. And does that make you a Lothario? Not really. You're just playing the numbers. Yeah, so so no, getting good at something is far better than doing a lot of rubbish. Yeah, so it's all about efficiency, really, and what works best, and then just buckling down on that. Yeah, and again, most salespeople don't. It's funny, you can listen to two salesmen 20 years apart, but they sound the same on the phone. So how's that possible? How are you sounding like the new guy? They weren't taught any new information. It's because they've they've never done it any different. So this is it. It's it's, it's most people just don't know how to structure. Common. No one teaches us how to communicate. That's all selling is. That's all I am. I'm a communications expert, not really even a sales trainer. I just teach people how to talk to other human beings. You know a lot about psychology. It's all psychology because we're psychological creatures. It's emotion and intellect. Yeah, I mean, there's one thing I hear that very very common about salespeople that. Like, that you need to be really, really friendly with with your with the person you're prospecting to, and um, but that's one thing I hear you saying against that there's no need to be friendly. So uh, with with as if I'm right, I believe that's what you say. You should, there's no need to be get really friendly with them. Just get to the point. Oh, what you're looking yeah, for. No, because they're not looking for a friend. I've never met anyone that phoned me up and said, "Look, Benjamin, I don't really want sales training. What I want is a friend." 
I just want someone to hold my hand and just open up to and share my life story with. That's 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 what I really want. No, they don't want a friend. I don't want a friend when I'm out buying stuff. I don't want to be. In fact, the more they try and be matey with you, the more repulsive and awful they are. No, no, no. What I'm looking for is somebody that is intelligent and can ask me questions as a prospect that makes me think about what I'm doing. Because if you start asking me questions, I'm going to buy a house, right? And they start asking questions like, are you familiar with the Japanese knotweed in the neighborhood? Is that no. No, 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 I'm just making up something. Okay. No, I mean, no, I, for example, but if they ask big questions like that. I want them to ask questions that make me think because the more they ask me that make me think, then the smarter they are. And I know they know what they're talking about. So you listen to the average salesman. I do it all the time. You, you ask them a question and you get that round the houses answer. So can I ask you a question? What sort of problems would you anticipate if we move ahead with this from your experience? And then you get something like, oh, well, you know, my experience, it never really is uh, any major headaches. I mean, it's possible maybe this could happen, but that's very, very rare. I mean, Mike's, and I've listened to that, and I said, you've said nothing. But if they said to me, well, it's a good question, Midge, when there are three things that typically could happen, A, B, and C, the odds of A happening in this scenario, I would say are low because of the following. And they, Okay, see, now... This guy knows what he's talking about. I, I would presume that one of the, the exercises to do before you do a prospect or to, before you do a lot of cold calling is to write a document full of common questions. Or is that what you say no? And common uh, questions that I have to ask or they're going to ask? That they're going to ask. Well, yeah, we know what they're going to ask. If you, if you don't know it within a month of prospecting, then you're an idiot, right? Again, this is why salespeople are very frustrating because they're six months into a job and they're on the phone and they keep encountering the same thing over and over again and they don't know how to deal with it. That's because they're doing the numbers game. You, you've thro you phone up enough people and vomit on enough people, eventually one of them says, oh, I like this. Yeah? So it's not hard to anticipate what a prospect's going to say. I always teach we operate in a finite universe. You've seen that map they've done of the whole universe and it's all mapped out. Selling is the same. There is nothing a prospect can say to me that I can't have predicted or planned for. And that's your response. Just like a lawyer or a surgeon, there is nothing that can happen in the human body that a surgeon isn't prepared for. There is nothing that can happen in a trial that a lawyer isn't prepared for. I anticipated that this could be one of the answers they could give. I'm already ready for it. So, so professionals are prepared. Salespeople are not professionals. In fact, they like the fact that they wing it. It's quite a badge of honor. Yeah. So, so how, how, why'd we win the deal? Hey, it's all down to timing, good presentation, and my my personality. No, seriously. No, no, that's it. Yeah, that's it. And there's no. So, how'd you do it? No, no, it's a secret. It's a so secret. <laughs> yeah it's no no it's not you know and 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 so so this is what it's about preparations so there is nothing that a prospect should say to you that you cannot have predicted and be prepared for occasionally something will come out of the woodwork that's brand new then you just make a note of it and learn from it, and learn from it exactly um so what other methods could you break i mean you said over here already about friendly nation there's no need to be friendly with their prospects no, you don't want to be a prat, but you don't need to be friendly. Um, think about your lawyer or surgeon or your doctor, your GP. Well, that's right. Are they trying to make you their friend? No, they, 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 there's no need. 
No, you don't, you don't need to like them. You could even say, I think the guy's a dick, but he's very smart. Yeah? So I'm in the same boat. I get in front of people, and I know they see the long hair and the stupid red hat, and I think this guy's an idiot. I don't care. If you give me money at the end of this, who's the idiot? <laughs> right? Yeah? So either way, what people think of me is irrelevant. They don't have to like me. I've had people say, Benjamin, I'll be honest with you, I don't really like you. I go, so why are we here? Well, I think you can help, though. <laughs> Fine. I'll take that because we're not going to be buddies. We're not going to swap photos of our families and we're never going to have a beer together. So, yeah, so I just want to say that's what you've done. They, they really know that you're good at what you do. Well, I am too. Say that again. So, you're, as, you're long, as long as they know what, what you do, you're good at. But you, as long as they know you're good at what you do, that's enough. At the end of the day, they need to trust and believe that I can deliver what I say. And, and in reality, they don't even care how that's done. As long as it's legal, moral, and ethical, people don't really care how you do what you do, right? They just want to know, will what you do fix my problem? And if I can get them to say, to say, I think what you teach will fix that problem, then we're going to do it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, that's definitely true. So, I mean, so regarding the myths, so like you said about, like just right now, it's about friendly, there's no need to be too friendly with them. Um, Prospects you don't even need to like each other as long as they know you're good at what you do. And um, what other myths are there that make you the UK's most hated sales trainer? What other myths do you break? Say that again. You're, 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 it's really awful. Is my, is my microphone not good? I just, I think it's very echoey because you're in that room. It's just, yeah, just slow down maybe. Yeah, it's really yeah, hard. No, I'll repeat it. So, what other myths are broken? Uh, what other myths do you break by how you uh, operate? Like one of them is, like you just said, about being friendly. There's no need to be too friendly. Oh. And I presume that other way, the other myths that, that you break. Well, the other thing that I do is um, most salespeople close in the wrong place. They, they close near the end. Because that's how we've been trained, right? How does it work? You get in front of a prospect. It doesn't matter how you got here, you're there. And a meeting starts one of two ways. Either the prospect takes control and says, well, why don't I tell you about us? And they start talking at you for the next 10 minutes. Or they flick it to you. They go, well, why don't you start, Benjamin? Why don't you explain to me what it is that you do and why you're here? Those are the two ways it starts. And then you get stuck in this game. And then what happens is, is some salespeople try and wrestle back control, but they do tend to start vomiting about themselves. And the prospect keeps asking questions. Can you do this? Can you do that? Who have you worked with? How long would it take? So the prospect's pumping you for information as much as you're trying to pump them. And as this pumping's going on, everybody's feeling quite good with each other. Yeah, the prospect's feeling good because you're giving them answers and the salesman's feeling good because they're thinking these are good questions. They must be serious about buying this stuff because they're asking really good questions. So as this is going on, everybody's feeling quite nice and everyone's vomiting on each other. Now, this comes to a natural crescendo, though. The meaning comes to a point where this bit ends. And then that's when you get to the next bit of the meeting. And this is where the salesman tries to get a commitment because they've, they've said their piece. The prospect has done their query. Everybody's feeling good. So the next step is... Well, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, gotta lock them in now, don't I? And so they go for some form of commitment. And the moment you do that, this is when the prospect suddenly goes ah, and they come up with reasons why they can't move forward to make a commitment today. 
And then they say to you, but we're not done with you. You couldn't do a proposal or a quote. You couldn't send us something in writing, could you? Just explaining everything we've just talked about for the last hour. The salesman says, absolutely. And he sends it off. And then he chases that while the prospect hides from them. And so they follow this, this pattern every time. And they follow it because the structure's wrong. And they're waiting. And the prospect knows that once the vomit session's finished, I know you're going to try and get me to commit. So, so when, when should you really try and commit? Well, that's you- where you're going to come on my courses to know. I'm not going to give you the answer. <laughs> I mean, I'm not an idiot, right? So if you want to know how to stop doing that, then um, you need to book on a course. Good answer, yeah. Fair enough. It's a good answer, I know. Um, do you think people should just be more blunt? If they uh, think they need something, because I've seen on your videos that you always say if you after 30 seconds if you don't like me and just say no and go make a coffee or something do you think people just need to be more blunt and just say no quicker if they don't feel as if they need it uh the easiest we it again comes down to language um being blunt isn't good because blunt makes people uncomfortable if you make people uncomfortable then so the key to selling is making people comfortable not having them like you making them comfortable that's a different different outcome so if you make people uncomfortable they're not going to want to talk to you so your job is to make people comfortable so the easiest way to make a stranger comfortable with you is disarming honesty that's why i the first thing i say is i'll be upfront. you're going to hate me this is a sales call it's disarmingly honest now they can only do one or two things they can either say i'm going to hang up and hang up or they say well depends why are you calling now they've given me permission to talk to them as opposed to me phoning up and vomiting at them so the psychology is all, all different. It's all very subtle. That's why it works. So disarming honesty is what I'd say you should have. Now, how you do that is going to determine how it's picked up because communication is predicated on how it's received, not what's intended. So it doesn't matter how good your intention is, if the person receives it the wrong way, you screwed up. So you've got to make sure you deliver any message in a way that doesn't enable the prospect to become uncomfortable. That's the skill. And if you can keep someone comfortable, they'll tell you more. The more they tell you, the more truth I get out. The more truth I get out, the more I can assess, is this someone I can work with or not? So it's about making comfortable, which is disarming honesty, not being blunt. But yeah, Blunt will exactly have the opposite effect. You're teaching communication. Hope that helps. Uh, that's what you said. Essentially, you're teaching communications. So yes. That's what it's all about, and that's what you're trying that's to do. What selling is. It's human beings talking to each other. If people bought people, I wouldn't exist. Yeah? yeah. But they don't buy people, don't buy people. Yeah, they buy people like them. How do what are people like them like? People like them make them comfortable. And they're able to mirror them and give them the person under they want. So this is the other problem salespeople have. They go and trying to be themselves. There's all this shite online, it's modern theory. Just be you. You know, we're all into identity politics and all of this bollocks. You know, just be you. You're a star. You're a winner. You're a 10 out of 10. That's great, but it's bollocks. Yeah? Yeah. Most people have personalities that rub up the majority of people the wrong way. It's because the way personalities work. I have a personality that 20% of the population will naturally warm to. The rest will think I'm a prat. But I don't act that way in front of the 80% of people. Why would I do that? That would be stupid. So not being you is actually a one of the best things you can do. Um, don't be you. If you're in front of a pinstriped guy, then you should probably wear a pinstriped suit. If you're in front of a big, fat, loudmouth in a Hawaiian shirt, you probably want to be in a Hawaiian shirt. Uh, 
because people buy people like them. So this idea of just be you, no, it's pop psychology. It's told, it's another way of saying you don't have to change because change is uncomfortable. Just be you. It's bollocks. Um, you just mentioned about online, but like I think you mentioned identity politics and all this stuff online. Are you political? Like online? Um, no, no, no. Link, no, 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 no. I couldn't give a less about any of that crap. My job is just to, I have a phrase, toffs at the top, plebs at the bottom, and me in the middle making a fat pile of cash. You've <laughs> <laughs> got some good sayings. Oh, yeah. I steal everything, though. Everything on a T-shirt. Everything we teachers learn. But, yeah. That, especially, yeah. especially your hats. Yeah. That, of course, I've got Trump to thank for that. I mean, I thought if you want to be more hated, that's a guy to emulate. I mean, he's, yeah, he's really good at getting people. Like, oh, he was good. He was a classic example that demonstrates people buy emotionally and not intellectually. Emotionally, he won people over. Intellectually, that the better candidate was Hillary Clinton, but emotionally, she was just too horrible to warn to. Right? So people, people vote. People buy emotionally. We are driven by our emotions. And then we justify those decisions intellectually. So there would have been a lot of people that voted for Trump who could justify intellectually why they did it. Would yeah? You, would you count that as people bought into Donald Trump? So that's people bought people. He, well, he did what I guess a lot of politicians don't do. He was so, you could almost say he was a disarmingly honest. He just said what he thought. And people are so used to hearing politicians saying what they think is the right thing. And in fact, that's a phrase they love to use, isn't it, politicians? You hear them all the wrong. I believe it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. That's just another way of saying, I'm doing what I think is electorally popular. Yeah, it's not the right thing to do. Whereas he was just coming out shooting from the hip. And George Bush senior uh, W was the same. He wasn't very eloquent, but people could relate to him because he seemed more normal. So people buy people. The average voter isn't a Harvey League educated metropolitan. Right. So if you act or sound like that, you'll only appeal to them. You won't appeal to the other folks. So politics is the same. It's the business of emotion. Yes. I'm just wondering about that because you said people bought people in politics and to Donald Trump and to all those people um, in different industries. Is it different rules? Because in sales training, you you would say people don't buy people. That's what you're saying before. In politics, it seems it's different. Well, they are different, yes. But uh, in the world of sales, you're getting in front of well, at M and person who runs a company, managing directors, CEOs, they're a certain type of personality type. Not everyone is an MD or CEO. Why? Because most people don't have the personality to get there. Yeah. Same with a finance director or a CFO, that takes a certain type of personality. What Most people do not go into finance or accounting. It takes a certain type of person. So they have a personality. HR, sales, every one of these categories attracts certain personality types. Now, you can research personality types all you want. There's loads of stuff out there. Pick one model that you like and understand it and then start applying it in your world. So... When you're in front of an M, you're going to talk to an MD and a CEO different than you are from a finance director because an MD is blue sky thinking. These are people that like making quick decisions and acting. They take risk. FD, no, 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 no. Doesn't take risk. It's got to see all the numbers. Got to make sure it adds up. His job is to slow the process down. That's why the two of them 
are at the top of the company. This guy wants to spend it. This guy tries to stop him. This guy has the vision. This guy tries and limits it. Together, you know, together, that marriage should ensure the company moves forward, takes certain amount of risk that's been measured and, you know, and it's being appropriate. And that's how it works. But they're different personalities. So you talk to them differently. And that's also what one of the things you're, you're so big on about, not um, when, when you're talking to those type of people, act as if you're to their level, not below them. Yeah. And again, that's the other challenge that salespeople have is they don't see themselves as their prospects equal. You get in front of somebody with director in their title and you're an account executive, the power dynamic is skewed. Yeah, definitely. It's massive difference. It's huge. Yeah. And that's all in your head. But most people don't teach you how to get out of that. They just say, just show up, throw up, you do enough of these and someone will buy. Yeah. Um, just, uh, just wondering, is it, is it worth offering previews? Obviously, in different, in different um, companies, they, they sell different products, they sell different services. But all around, is it worth giving out previews to attract uh, clients? Or it's, it's not a straightforward uh, question. So as a marketing strategy, say you want to achieve a certain thing in a certain amount of time, you may use marketing ploys. So, um, so maybe you do give something away. If it is designed as a marketing strategy for a specific purpose, it's like discounting. If you have to discount to win business, you're not a salesman, but occasionally you may discount because there is a benefit in doing it. It's not because you need to win the business. So you're not discounting because you want to win the business. There's something better attached to this discount, something of greater value. So you're willing to do it. Yeah, but if you are in front of somebody and say, look, I really want to work with you, but our budget's only 100K and you're 130. And then you say, oh, I don't know. And then you and then you end up buckling because you need the business. Then that's not very good. But if, the, if you say to the guy, well, look, I just can't give you a 30K discount. What can you give me in return? And if they say, well, look, I can introduce you to six other CEOs in our sector with these problems. All right. I may put a value on. Okay, so this is the deal. I'll give you 30K off, but you've got to physically put me in front of these guys and you've got to tell them to use me. That way I'm getting something of, in return for a discount. I'm not giving them a discount. You they may be occasionally if it's in my best interest very rarely though because most of the time if anyone asks me for a discount i just assume it's a test uh, but yeah that's that's actually quite interesting i've never thought about that but that one's like give them a discount in return for something you have to get something of equal value in return because remember that's straightforward it's just saying you give a discount to me yeah so you can use these various techniques but you've got to be in control but if you are discount because I, I really need the i've got to get this over the line Oh, I need that 100K. I want 130, but, I but and the only thing you can discount, and this is why salespeople should be barred from discounting, is you can only give away the profit. You can't discount the cost of supply. So if you give away 30K, that's 30,000 pounds of your money. So it's technically theft if you're a salesman and you discount. And that's how I get companies to eliminate it. They say, look, you can discount all you like, guys. It just comes out of your salary. It's funny how quickly they stop discounting when it's their money they got to give away. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's definitely a good point. Just back to on the previous point when we were talking about you posting on LinkedIn about, about sort of a bit political. The other day you posted on LinkedIn making fun of celebrities for posting their tears on terms about Ukraine. Um, you, you actually used the hashtag on this post. 
uh, doing hashtag are you recording my tears of solidarity and care, hashtag caring for lives yes um, it's, it's 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 really cool i really i like that i mean personally i think there's a pandemic of people craving for attention online uh, yes. just talking the talk and not actually walking the walk yes well obviously social media is um the irony in that post is I was doing it to deliberately attract attention to myself. Uh, that's the only reason I'm on. I'm not on LinkedIn because I want to make friends or I think this is a great place to hang out and meet wonderful human beings who are going to transform my life. No, I want these people to give me money. That's the only reason. I, the moment LinkedIn stops working for me, I'm out of here. I couldn't care less, right? So this is why everyone's on LinkedIn. It's not a family. It's not a community. Everyone's in it for their own selfish self-interest. And I'm absolutely blunt about that. You know, all of my posts end with buy my stuff. I don't even hide it because that's why I'm there. I want people to buy into what I do and then go and give me money. So what I find, what, what I put that post up because I just saw all those posts about people going on about the Ukraine and solidarity and waving their flag. It's just like we do whenever something awful happens. You know, we, 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 we get their flag and we are Charlie Swee or whatever the hell it was. We're all French. We're, yeah, nah. And then people feel good. Then they share with everybody how wonderful a human being they are. So it feeds into narcissism. Um, so I just posted about it because I knew a lot of people would read it and laugh and think, yeah, that's exactly why I did it. It's really true. I mean, just the actual point of it, just so many people just say they do this, say uh, whenever whenever anything's trending, they say, oh, tears of solidarity, like you said, or they really care about it. The second it's over, the second it's not yeah. trending, it's forgotten. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming he's going to be a calendar with a load of topless celebrities with no to the war soon. I mean, that's got to be next. Yeah? And then, then maybe a song's going to come out. Um, the Oscars, everyone's going to stand up and say, fuck you, Putin. You know, they're going to do that. You know, So yeah, they're all going to get on it. And they're not going to tell how awful it is, how tough it is for them to explain to their children the war. Yeah, that's really tough. You, I, I, you know, my heart goes out to how difficult your life is. You know, it is, it's, it's narcissism. But I mean, social media is designed to feed narcissism. The only reason anyone's on it is because they want to talk about themselves to the world. Yeah. Um, it, that's it's the only reason to be there. It's, it's for no other reason is to tell other people about you. Not unless you're actually doing it from a business perspective. Again, but it's all about me because you've got to know me and my company and my brand. So it's all about me still. Yeah, that's, yeah that's it right. is. It's all about me. As soon as you admit that, then it suddenly becomes easier to acknowledge. Then, then, then it doesn't matter what somebody says. It doesn't matter if they make a comment on your post that you don't like. It's like, well, what do I give a toss? I don't care about you. Your opinion means nothing. But people don't. They go onto it wanting to be liked, and when they don't get that like, they commit suicide. I've, I've heard from <laughs> Grant Cordon actually saying um, why he, he said, "I'm not looking to get liked. I'm looking to get the attention." And that's why I don't care so much about not getting, why everyone hates me on social media and he has tons of hate. Um, it's just, he, at the end of the day, he's trying to get a lot of attention. He's managed and that's exactly. how he's it's, it's all about attention. This is why I say I don't have an issue with um, people like Grant Cardone and that because he is successful and I can't take that from him, but he's going about his success in a different way. Um, and what he teaches works for some people. What I teach, like I say, it's down to individuals what they want to do. But I always go back to the point that if it's not repeatable, if you can't teach someone how to do it and explain why it works, then it's just luck. 
Yeah, um, we actually just finishing off. We have a, a we have a lasting point, which basically, um, the the previous guest le leave a uh, question for you for you to answer. So this you is get the question for me to answer. Yes, yeah. exactly, and without knowing mm -hmm. who it is. So this is from Harrison, um, your previous student. So he asked, "How do you judge if you've had a successful day?" How do I judge if I've had a successful day? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, how do I judge? Because there are there, are, I suppose there are quite a few metrics you could look at. Um, how do I judge if I've had a successful day? Um, I spend most of my life talking to people, so it's like this. This is this is my life. Um, it's either to groups of people, it's to individuals on a one-to-one. -one. I have sales calls like this, um, prospecting calls, you could call it as well. So everything is down to this. So for me, a good day is if I've got to the end of the day and I look back over what I've done and I'm absolutely happy with all the questions I've asked and the answers that I'm given, and then every single conversation has ended with a no or a clearly defined next step and a consequence of what will happen if that next step isn't observed. So it's not always about money. I like to get money every day, obviously, but it's it's more about when I look back at what I've done is am I satisfied with what I did? Did I do what I said I would do well? Um, and sometimes I'm not. So sometimes I have sold to people, but I haven't done everything that I would say you should do. And that kind of annoys me, which is weird, right? People say, well, you've got the money. You know, why do you care? It's because, because I, I, I am someone who, who teaches what I do. I have to be very careful that I do everything that I teach because, as I said, I don't want to be one of those academics, do as I say, not as I do. So I'm acutely conscious that whenever people come online with me or have a phone call with me, they're going to be expecting me to behave and act possibly in a certain way. I have to do that all the time, which is why I quite love what I do because I have to do it in order to be able to teach it in order to be able to sell it. So I'm hard on myself. So I like to make sure that I've done everything properly. So that's how I know it's been a good day if I can look back and say, I'm 10 out of 10 for my behavior today. So even if you got 10 no's, you'd still be happy? If, I'd, if they were the right no's, then yes. Not worried about the no's. Yeah? No's are easy to get, unless you really try. <laughs> Do you, do you ever get like, is it often that you get these days where it's very, the way you pass it, um, where, you, where you say, okay, I've had a really good day, because I presume the metrics have to be hard to get, otherwise it's not, it's not a game that you want to play, it's too easy. Yeah, so I know how much I want to generate in any given month, um, but then I also know how much I want to generate over a year. So I'm not too hard on myself if I don't hit something in a particular month, because I know, well, you know, there's always slight fluctuations um but i also know that if i do the right amount of behavior consistently this over and over again i'll achieve what i want to achieve that's guaranteed so it doesn't matter if i get 10 no's in one day it's fine i'm going to have another five conversations tomorrow if i do those five well and they're right for me then i'll sell so it's all about doing the behavior yeah that's what matters the results will always follow behavior as long as you keep them consistent. 
then that consistency it's being consistent just like the, the, the professional swimmer they spend four years training for the olympics they've only got one race but it's been four years and it's, it's only when it matters that it matters yeah so it's the same so every conversation after i've finished the call i think to myself could i've done that better did i did i did i did i get out of them what i wanted did i get them to where i needed to get them am i happy with the outcome and if I am, then I'll take it. If I'm not, then it's like, well, okay, well, then I've got to figure out how to get over this. Or how do I not do that next time? So it's always critiquing yourself. It's never being happy. So when you watch my videos online, it makes me laugh because people phone me up and say, your videos are great. And it's so smooth. All I can see is everything I did wrong. Yeah, and it annoys me. But I don't point that out to people. And Well, I shouldn't have said that and I shouldn't have done that. I don't think you should point that out. I don't think that'll help. Yeah, it doesn't help. So people see it, they enjoy it, but I see what I could have done better. And that's that's good because if you're ever at the point where you can't see that, then you, you progress to a point of just being arrogant. Yeah. Um, so just the last last thing is, last thing, what yep. question do you, want, do you want to leave for the next person? Um, uh, is it going to be someone you're interviewing that's in sales? Because It could be anyone. Oh, it could be anybody. Yeah. So that, that question, Harrison, that you, you didn't know who was going to be next. Okay, I'll give you a question because I ask salespeople this question all the time, so you can just reword it. So the question is, why aren't you a better salesman? So whatever they are, yeah. if it's the CEO, say, why aren't you a better CEO? See, it's very easy for people to tell you why they're good at something. It's also, it's much better to get someone to tell you why they think that. So whenever it gets in front of salespeople and they say, I want to sell, so I say, well, why aren't you a better salesperson now? And then they give bullshit answers. Oh, you know, I just feel like I could be a little bit better. What the fuck does that mean? I feel like I could be a little bit better. How? Well, you know, um, maybe I need to manage my time better. Well, you don't need a sales strategy to manage your time better. Manage your time better. That's stupid. Come on. So they can't figure out why they suck. So then my job is to get them to figure it out. So ask them, that's a question I'd ask them. Why aren't you a better X? Okay. Why aren't you a better sales trainer? Why aren't I a better sales trainer? I'm flipping the question on its head. Yeah, it is. It's, <laughs> it's good. Why aren't I a better sales trainer? Because I've limited the capacity to which I want to go. So I could make more money but I'd have to take on employees. So why I'm a better person, I don't like people enough to want to work with them closely. Brand, so obviously you're saying if you really wanted to, if you create, you could, you have the ability. I could, I could do that. I could, I could develop that. That's why I aren't better. Because I don't want to do that. But I should do that, but I don't want to do it. That's why I aren't better. Brilliant. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a lovely day. That was always awkward part. That's yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting for you to stop recording. <laughs> and it stopped now.